You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading is taken, first of all, from John 13, beginning with verse 31. When he, that is Judas, was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. Philip said, Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Then the verses 19 to 24. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. 
On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Let's go to chapter 16, the verses 16 to 24. In a little while you will see me no more. And then, after a little while you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while, you will see me. And because I am going to the Father, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus said, Jesus said that they wanted to ask him about this, or he saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another, what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name, Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Ephesians 2, the verses 4 to 10. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. One last final passage, verse 22 of Revelation 1, uh, 21. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The text for this afternoon is John 14, the verses 1 to 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, many dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then I'm going to leave out a word in the next sentence. As you know, the NIV is a paraphrase. And so I'm going to leave out the word there. I'll skip the word there because it's not in the original. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, our text takes place in the upper room just before Jesus is about to die. Which means that Jesus' earthly journey is just about over. And what a journey it has been. When Jesus began his public ministry, he preached the good news of the kingdom of heaven. He said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the gospel. And you all know what the kingdom of heaven is. It's precisely what it says. It's the kingdom that is in heaven. That is being prepared for us. We could paraphrase that and say the kingdom of heaven is the new heaven and the new earth. And so when Jesus preaches and says the kingdom of heaven has come near, he is saying that the new heaven and the new earth are just around the corner. And so Jesus preached that good news that the new heaven and the new earth were just around the corner. And if we wanted to enter into the new heaven and the new earth... We had to believe Jesus and follow him and live a certain kind of life in his strength and in his spirit. And so Jesus preached about that kind of life, such as in the Sermon on the Mount. But he also set up all sorts of signs of the coming kingdom of God. He met people who were blind and he gave their sight back to them. 
Others were deaf and they got their hearing back. And some even had died. And he raised them from the dead. A sign of hope that the kingdom of heaven is coming. A kingdom where there will be no more death. No more crying. No one will have to say, I'm so sick. I'm so lonely. Because the first order of things have passed away. And behold, all things have been made new. And so when you read in the Gospels about these healings that Jesus did, and these were signs of hope that there was a better world coming. And people could use these signs that Jesus did and be encouraged to continue to live their life in this broken and fragmented world. One day, a new world and a new heaven would be here. And now Jesus' disciples had traveled with Jesus. And as Jesus' journey had been quite a journey for him, so it had also been quite a journey for Jesus' disciples. After all, imagine if we would have been disciples of Jesus. We would have heard those glorious words that Jesus spoke. And we would have seen a lame man get up and start to walk as a sign, as a precursor of something that was going to happen to all of God's children on the new earth. We would have been dumbfounded. But now the communal journey of traveling together is about to come to an end. Jesus is in the upper room and he says, I have to go. Mind you, in a little while you'll see me again, but now I have to go. And where I go right now, you cannot come. And that bothers Jesus' disciples. That's the background of let not your hearts be troubled. Their hearts were troubled. Their hearts were troubled because Jesus was going to a place where they could not go now. And their hearts were also troubled because if Jesus is gone, who's going to continue the journey of setting up signs of hope of the coming kingdom of God? Yes, they were going to continue the journey. But how could they continue the journey when Jesus was no longer physically with them? You realize, of course, that that is the task of the church. That was not just Jesus' task. It also was not just the task of the disciples. That is the task of the church of all ages. It's always good to ask yourself the question, why am I here? What's my task here on this earth? What's the task of the church? And the most basic task of the church is to set up signs of the coming kingdom of God. Signs of hope that a new world is coming. 
And how do you do that? Well, Jesus says, love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. Such as washing each other's feet. Our text is from John 14. John 13, we have the foot washing. The servant life of the children of God being willing to be the least and not the most. Being willing to be a servant and not a Lord is a sign that will convince the world that Jesus is the Savior. That new life is found with Him. Likewise, turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, forgiving someone 70 times 7. See, that's something that's not found in the world. You don't forgive 70 times 7. Maybe you don't forgive at all in the world. And if you do, maybe once or twice. But then you've reached your limit. Not so in the church. The big sign of hope of the coming kingdom of God. There we forgive all the time. There we always go the extra mile. There we always love one another, just as we will always love one another in the new heaven and on the new earth. That was the task of the first century church. That is the basic task of this local congregation too. And the question behind our text is, how is the church going to do that? now that Jesus has ascended into heaven. Where is the church going to derive her strength and her joy and her encouragement from? Well, says Jesus, you don't have to worry about that. Let not your hearts be troubled. I will prepare you I will prepare you in such a way that you will be able to set up signs of the coming kingdom, just as I did. I will prepare a place for you so that you can be where I am too. Yes, where is Jesus? When Jesus began to call his disciples, one of them once asked, Jesus, where do you live? Where is your abode? And the Apostle John tells us in chapter 1 that no one has ever seen God except the Son of God who lies in the bosom of the Father. You know the metaphor, little child lying in the bosom of its mother. And now Jesus is not a little child. That's not the point. It's just a metaphor of the close intimacy between Jesus, the Son of God, 
and the Father. He's always at the Father's side. Very close. Very intimately connected to the Father. And then the Word, which is the Son, took on flesh. And He came to this earth. And physically, yeah, He didn't have a body then, but He was no longer with the Father, so to speak. But spiritually He was. Even though Jesus was preaching here and doing His miracles and the Father was in heaven, Jesus was still spiritually in the Father's bosom. Spiritually in the Father's side, at the Father's side. We hear that when Philip asks, show us the Father. And Jesus says, come on, Philip. You should have known by now that if you look at me, you've seen the Father. Don't you know, says Jesus, and he's standing there, he's standing there right on ground. He's not physically in heaven. He said, don't you know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So that the words that I've been speaking to you are not just my own words. It is the Father who is speaking through me. But now Jesus is returning to the Father. Literally returning to the Father. And he does that, first of all, with his soul on Calvary's cross. That's where he's going, first of all, before he goes to heaven with the ascension. And his disciples cannot go with him to the cross because they cannot bear the full burden of God's wrath as he is going to do. And on the cross, Jesus will experience the hellish agony of hell. And then he will say, it is finished. And then, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so Jesus, with his soul, returns to the Father. And then he rises from the dead. And then 40 days later, after the cross, he ascends into heaven and he returns to the Father. Not just with his soul, but also with his body. And both on the cross and with the ascension, Jesus is preparing a place for his church so that his church can be where he is too. Which means that his church can be at the Father's side, very intimately connected to the Father, related to the Father, just as he is. And now where does Jesus do that? And how does Jesus do that? He does that in his Father's house. You remember the story, and the children will remember that, when Jesus was 12 years old and he stayed in the temple, right? 
And his parents got all worried about him. And then Jesus said to his mother, Did you not know I must be in my father's house? Father's house for Jesus is the temple. And then when Jesus began his public ministry, as well as almost ended his public ministry, he cleansed the temple. It was a huge mess in his father's house. And Jesus cleansed his father's house. You shall not make my father's house or turn it into a den of robbers. For Jesus, the father's house was the temple. But then John says, when Jesus had said, break down this temple and in three days I'll raise it up, that Jesus was referring to the temple of his body. And so for Jesus, the Father's house is the physical temple. And for Jesus, the Father's house is the temple of his body. And that's obvious. Because the physical temple is the Father's house because the Father dwells in that temple. That's why it's the Father's house. And the temple of Jesus' body can be called the Father's house because the Father dwells in Jesus. And Jesus dwells in the Father. And that is why Jesus himself is the fulfillment of the temple. Everything in the Old Testament temple pointed forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he could very well have said, I am the temple. In essence, that's what he's saying in John 2. Break down this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. Now, because the Father dwelt in Jesus, and Jesus dwelt in the Father, Jesus was able to do what he did when he was here on this earth. Because the Father dwelt in Jesus, and Jesus in the Father, Jesus was able to preach the way he did. And to heal the blind. And to cast out demons. And to raise people from the dead. The Father dwelt in him. That's the background of Jesus' answer to Philip. Show us the Father. Don't you know that when you see me, you've seen the Father? The words I speak are not just my own words. They are the Father speaking through me. So because Jesus is the Father's house, the Father dwells in Jesus and Jesus in the Father, Jesus is able to do what he does. Because the Father is working and speaking through Jesus. Which means that if the church today wants to receive power and strength to do what Jesus did, continue the ministry of Jesus by setting up signs of hope in the midst of a broken world, a world full of death and pain and sickness, the only way the church can do this is to be where Jesus is at the Father's side. 
to have Jesus dwelling in the church and have the church dwelling in Jesus. Just as Jesus was in the Father and the Father was in Jesus. So that you and I can say when people ask us, show us Jesus, you can say, haven't you seen the Lord Jesus Christ yet? Don't you know that the words that we speak and the works that we do is the Lord Jesus Christ through His Holy Spirit speaking and working through us? And the Lord Jesus Christ made that possible for His church to dwell in Him and He in His church so that the church together with Jesus can be at the Father's side in heaven. Jesus made that possible by going to the cross. It's on the cross that the Lord Jesus Christ laid down His life for the church. And He cleansed His church. And He dressed His church in His own righteous and holy garments. An unholy church could never live in Jesus and live together with the holy Jesus at the Father's side. So Jesus had to die for His church and prepare a place for His church at His Father's side with His death and reconcile His church to the Father with His death. And the Lord Jesus Christ does that with His ascension into heaven. When ten days after that, He pours out the Holy Spirit, connecting the church with His Spirit to Himself so that the church is seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. As Paul writes in Ephesians 2, He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms together with Christ Jesus. This is what Jesus means when He says, I'm going to come back in a little while and take you to Myself. He'll do that at the end of time when He returns upon the clouds of heaven. But before that, He does that a number of different times. And He comes back, first of all, with His resurrection from the dead. In a little while you will see Me. And in a little while you will see Me again. Will not see Me. In a little while you will see Me. Well, that's three days later when He rises from the dead. They see Him again. Now is your time of grief You'll be in sorrow like a woman who is about to give child. But once she has given birth to a child, you'll just be joyful. Well, three days later, their sorrow turned to joy when they saw the Lord Jesus again. And then Jesus came back again another time when He ascended into heaven and He came back ten days later in the Holy Spirit. And they saw the Lord Jesus Christ in the flames as a fire. And they heard the Lord Jesus Christ in the rush as of a mighty wind. And then they knew, as Jesus said in John 16, when the Spirit comes, you will know that I am in the Father and that you are in me and I am in you. And so they did. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, 
they experienced in their hearts that Jesus was indeed in the Father and the Father in Jesus. And they were in Jesus and Jesus was in them. And you know what else they found out on the day of Pentecost? They found out that there were many dwellings, many rooms in the Father's house. Now the Father's house is the temple of Jesus' body. And how can there be many rooms or dwellings in the temple of Jesus' body? Well, you always have to let the Bible interpret itself. And so that's why we read from John 14, verse 23, where Jesus says, If anyone loves me and keeps my commandments, my Father will love him too. And my Father and I will come and we will make our abode, our dwelling with him. So what's a dwelling? Well, there's a dwelling sitting there. There's a dwelling sitting there. I hope there's all dwellings in the sanctuary. A dwelling is a person who loves Christ Jesus and who keeps His commandments. A dwelling of the Father is someone who raises up signs of hope in a broken and fallen world. Paul talks about such a person as a temple of the Holy Spirit. The church is a temple, but every Christian is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, every Christian is a dwelling of the Father and Myself through the Holy Spirit. And so on the day of Pentecost, they realized that this small little group of 120 people all of a sudden mushroomed. And first of all, 3,000 people came to the faith. 3,000 people who loved Jesus and kept His commandments. 3,000 more dwellings of the Father and the Son. 3,000 people who were engrafted into the body, the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church... One day, all these dwellings will be a countless multitude. No one can number it. From every nation, tribe, people, or tongue. All grafted into Christ. Into the temple of His body. Forming together with Christ the holy Catholic Church. Of which Jesus is the head. In my Father's house are many dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you. And this is the Father's design. The Father wants it this way. John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener, and you are the branches. Everything I've said so far you find in the metaphor in John 15. The Father is the gardener, Jesus is the vine, and all these dwellings, these Christians, filled with the Father 
and the Son are the branches on the vine. There you have the picture. And the Father is the gardener because the Father is the origin of all things. The Father is the origin of the Son from all eternity. And so the Father is the gardener. He wants it this way. He wants all these Christians to be grafted into His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and live together with the vine in His bosom and bear fruit for Him. Because apart from Me, says Jesus, you can do nothing. You cannot go into this world and set up signs of hope of the coming kingdom without Me. You have to be grafted into Me like a branch is grafted into the vine. Otherwise, you cannot bear fruit and be My disciples. So, the Father wants it this way. It's the beautiful Trinitarian life of the church. And Jesus prays for this in His high priestly prayer in John 17. Father, I want them to be where I am and to see My glory. I in them and they in me, just like I am in you and you are in me. I want them to be where I am and to see my glory. So the Apostle Paul, he celebrates that. He considers it a great joy to go around preaching the good news of the gospel. And what is the good news? What is the heart of the good news? It is the mystery of Christ in the church the hope of glory. We are hidden with Christ in God, says the Apostle Paul. That's the heart of the Gospel. The church in Christ. and Christ in the church. And together with Christ at the Father's side. But our text began with trust in God. Trust also in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus calls his disciples to believe this. To trust this. Otherwise it won't function in their lives. They'll just go around being downcast and troubled and Jesus is gone and they don't realize their high position that they are in Christ, together with Christ by the Father. They don't realize that. And it's the same for me and for you. Jesus has ascended into heaven. You can't see Jesus with your naked eye. He's physically gone. Physically gone. And the church now has to live by faith and not by sight. We have to trust that this is true. That the church is in Christ and Christ is in the church. And so the question I have to ask myself and you have to ask yourself is, do we believe this? Do you really believe this? Now that Jesus is physically gone and you have to carry on your task 
of setting up signs of hope of the coming kingdom, a life of love, a life of washing each other's feet in your marriages, in your church life, and the little children too in the families. You gotta wash your little brother's feet. You don't feel like doing that. You have to turn the other cheek and go the extra mile and you have to forgive each other 70 times 7 as husbands and wives, as brothers and sisters, biologically in your family. You have to forgive all the time. How often do you remind yourself that you're in Christ? And Christ is in you. And that where the Son is, you are there now too. You are seated with Christ spiritually. You're seated in your pew now, but you're seated spiritually with Christ in the heavenly realms. How often do we tell our children that? How often do you tell the brothers and sisters that on your family visits? How often on your your coffee, socials, after the service, you just remind each other and say, you know what, isn't it just great to be a Christian? Isn't it just great to belong to the church of Christ? We're in Christ. And Christ is in us. And together with Christ, we're at the Father's side. When's the last time that I, when's the last time that you shared the joy of that good news, the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory, the hope of heaven, the hope of no more death, no more crying. He's in us now already. How often do you share that with one another? How often is that a source of great joy when you run into problems with parenting? Just just kind of run stuck. Don't know what to do. You got spats in your marriage all the time. You're always kind of arguing. It's all right not getting along the way you should be. And then you remind yourself, oh, I'm in Christ. And Christ is in me. And my wife is in Christ. And Christ is in her. I'm called to raise up signs of hope. Signs of love so that the world will believe that we are disciples of Jesus. The world will never believe you or me even though we come to church here every Sunday again if our lives do not exude a life of love. A life of forgiving 70 times 7. Exude something that the world cannot find in itself but can only find in the church 
The world will not believe you. Even though you sit here every week, somehow it has to exude from you. And the good news it is that it is possible because Christ is in you. And you are in Christ. Christ has not left you as orphans. He has sent the Holy Spirit. He's come again to take you to where He is through and in the Holy Spirit. So continue. Continue to set up signs of hope in the power of the risen and ascended Christ until you die. When Christ will come back another time to take you to Himself so that you will be where He is. And you will know for sure then you will see with your naked eyes that Jesus is in the Father. And that you are in Jesus. And Jesus is in you. And continue to do that until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. When the Lord Jesus will return one last final time to take whoever is remaining here that belongs to His church to Himself. And then the whole church will come down as a bride beautifully prepared for a husband. And we will all know for sure, you don't have to believe it anymore, you can see it, that Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus and the church is in Christ and Christ is in the church because on the new earth, There will be no temple. That's right. There'll be no literal Father's house. Because where is the Father's house? Says John in Revelation 21 verse 22. The Father and the Son are the temple. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.